Welcome to Midnight Madness. I look at Midnight Madness for the novice as the gateway drug to the festival experience. Midnight Madness Show. Here's your host, the DJ Doctor. Hello, everybody. It's Mark, the DJ Doctor, coming to you from a rainy, soggy, wet afternoon in Manchester, Tennessee. I mean, we'll tell you how, how, and I know we pale by comparisons to what, like, West Tennessee got with rain and stuff, but we've got so much rain here in the last day or so. If you haven't heard by now, they have canceled Bonnaroo. I mean, I don't know how they could have had it out there. Um, it's unbelievable, the mess and the water that's already out there, and they haven't even put people on the ground other than, like, co-workers out there who look to be probably stranded for a couple of days because they can't move. Yeah, they had to send a boat out for them earlier. Yeah, it's bad, man. I'm telling you, it's bad <laughs> out there. Um, and more rain's coming in yet tonight. So if you're in from uh, all parts of America and the world coming to Manchester to see the Bonnaroo, um, Sorry, uh, you got to see some rain here in Manchester. Please be careful. There's plenty of places to go and see and do um, food and, and music everywhere. Uh, just Google search it. You'll find out. Um, of course, right up the road an hour away, you got Manchester or, uh, Nashville. And go the opposite way an hour, you got Chattanooga. So there's places, great music. Um, might not be what you thought you were going to see, but... Um, don't let it go wasted. You'll, you'll enjoy the time. And, and, man, anywhere in Nashville has got great live music. So uh, with that, I want to say hello to partner in crime here, the Colorado Kid. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. Waiting for the sunshine. Waiting for the sunshine. I guess Thursday. <laughs> maybe. It, you know, it maybe. You know, but you, know, you can walk in the sunshine in about four foot of mud. And <laughs> it's not going to dry out soon. So we want to say... Hey to all of our affiliates, all the people out there that's putting our station on, on their stations all over the world. We want to appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you. Uh, the Midnight Madness show has been going on for nine years, and it's nice to have these people help push the love uh, of our artists uh, on their station, too. So thank you, guys. Um, yes. Brian, did I kill enough time to say hey to Brian, uh, our little IT guru? You doing all right? Did your mic work? Not on the broadcast, but no. Uh, not on the broadcast, so he's only for us to hear. Um, it's like that little little thing in the back of your head telling you stuff to do. You know? That's right. That's right. That you know you, you never can trust. You got to watch Brian. So uh, Brian is producing the show from afar. Um, his microphone does not pick up, so we'll just say Brian said hello to everybody, and I'm not going to really tell you what Brian really said. So, well, thank you, Brian. Um, we got a legend here tonight. Yes, we do. He brought goodies to look at. 
We're going to take pictures, and we're going to put this on our Facebook page. Uh, our website is all going to go onto the website, too. Um, you'll see it at the Midnight Madness uh, show. Uh, check that out. Um, man, I, I don't know. There's probably 15, 20 pieces of stuff we got to show here. So let's jump right on to it. Um, I want to say welcome, and thank you for making the arc and traveling down from Nashville to here. Jerry, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. We have Jerry K. Green in the house with us tonight. Glad um, to be here. I know our buddy Pez is probably trying to find us on the air right now. So, Pez, if you're listening, um, we're not on the, the normal stuff because of yeah, just computers and, and rain and all kinds of stuff is, is messing with us. So we're on the Midnight Madness dot show uh, page right now, as well as possible others. It depends on if Brian can get him up and running. So let's just start from the very beginning of, of playing a song first like we normally do, and then we'll kind of get to find out who Jerry K. Green is. Well, you said start at the beginning, so I'll start at the beginning of my right. music career. I met country music face to face when I was 10. It was love at first sound, and I've loved it ever since. Ernest Tubb and his guitar were selling gold chain flour on top of a car in my hometown. I can still hear it now. I'm walking the floor over you. I still love the music, and I still love the man. Cause I like folks who make it and give others a helping hand. Folks who never cast the first stone or any stone at all. Folks who never get too big to say thanks a lot, you all. I hitchhiked to Fort Worth to the Northside Coliseum. Cause Eddie Arnold was singing there, but I didn't get to see him. I didn't have the ticket price and they wouldn't let me in But that's all right cause when he sings it takes me back again I'm sending you a big bouquet of roses I still love the music and I still love the man Cause I like folks who make it and show others that they can Folks who never stay in a rut but keep on moving on Folks who never get too proud to tell you where they're from. I did see Hank Williams several times before he died. They had a call show, the Skyline Club, the Louisiana Hayride. When I went off to college, I made a seeing speech. Cause I said, Hank says, I can't help it, that's good enough for me. I can't help it if I'm still in love with you. I still love the music and I still love the man. Cause I like folks who make it without money or a master plan. Folks who never think they're above the level of the common man. Folks who give us hope to try and help us understand. I could go on singing, probably name a hundred more Whose songs and lives have touched my own But I'm not keeping score So I'll just stop right here and say A great big round of thanks For all the inspiration I got From Ernest, Eddie, and Hank that's my song, Ernest, Eddie, and Hank. And I later shared the stage with all three of them. 
Wow. wow. Nice. Nice. We were talking off air. Um, and again, you're you're that guy that I can't do a 55-minute show on you. I got to do more. So we're going to have to do a show um, That's okay. at your convenience in Nashville. You know, I'll, I'll make the trip to you. Um, <laughs> because you're saying you've got to share the stage with, with Ernest Hubs, Eddie, Hank. I've seen pictures of you with way more than that. Um, well, I, I want to hear. I want to hear all those stories. Well, I was on Louisiana Hayride, and a lot of them there. That, you know, it became known as the Cradle of the Stars. But even Elvis, Hank Williams, and Elvis both started on the Louisiana Hayride. Yeah, I was off in the army. I got drafted, and I was off in the army when Elvis came. And, and it was by the time it ended, I was married and had kids. I had to finish college and go to work in <laughs> a day job. <laughs> and let put it aside for a while. But then I came to Nashville and got to do stuff up there, and was on the Opry. 40 times in 1967. I've got some programs. I didn't know they had programs. It was only old Ryman back then. And I didn't know they had programs even because I was afraid to go out front because I was afraid the guard didn't really know me, might not remember to let me back in. <laughs> let you in. <laughs> one night, I started in February and one night in the first week of July, I saw a piece of paper, scrap paper, looked like I had on the floor back by the, in the backstage, you know, and I picked it up and it was a program. Hmm. So I started getting them after that. And I've got quite a few programs and it's just fascinating who all i got to share the stage with and wow. it's beautiful because you brought a couple of them in um i brought one from the hayride and one from the opera <coughs> which is really cool because it was funny because you were talking about you know there was like two sets um jim reeves opened oh, for you oh, in on the, the first hayride. set yeah they divided it into two yeah. it was two pages one was the, the first half of the evening the other it was all one show we ran three hours you know from eight yeah. to eleven all the time but we, so it was kind of like the opera, except uh, we would do different, more shows like that. And the opera normally had the stars do several songs at only one time on during the program. Right. But uh, the first, I think it was the first show when I brought you, Jim Reeves had to follow me. And then the next show, part of the show, I had to follow him. <laughs> or vice versa, or vice versa. Yeah. He was probably nervous too, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah sure. I got, I got a, he, had, he had just had Mexican Joe and just, you know, becoming a star, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Um. Let's go back to the very beginning. What got you into the playing music? What was your family uh, inspired by music? Did you hear something on the, you know? Uh, it was Ernest Tubb. It was Ernest Tubb. All right. I showed you the picture I brought that I finally got. This exactly matches the memory that I have of it. And that song started out. You know, I met country music face to face when I was ten, and uh, a couple of years ago I wrote that. You know, several years ago from memory, guessing. And uh, that I was 10 years old at the time. And a couple of years ago, my hometown is Louisville, Texas, which was a little bitty town back then. It's, Dallas has grown out past it now, and it's a big city with 100,000 people and four or five high schools and all that. Wow. But uh, back then, it was a little farming community town on the old Highway 77 that was the highway, main highway between Dallas and Oklahoma City back then, like I-35 is now. And uh, Saturday afternoon, the farmers would all come to town do their shopping. And people that have a little age on them can remember or may have family relics like that snapshot that uh, on the, the guys were, that were getting started in country music. Uh, this is in Texas, what I'm familiar with primarily. You know, Bob Wills had uh, the light crust doughboys from Burroughs Mills, the, the, make, the flower makers that made flowers that you make biscuits and cake with. Everybody did their home cooking back then. There wasn't any pre, all this stuff, go to the store and buy something ready to get, you know. Right. And... Uh, and Ernest Tubb was the gold chain troubadour, the gold chain flower company. 
And that Saturday afternoon, the farmers come to town to do their shopping, and, and this was early in his career. I think just about the same time he wrote Walking the Floor. And uh, he was on a radio station in Dallas-Fort Worth, and, and they, they, what they would do, they'd go out and play within the radio listening range, you know, all the little towns around. And Saturday afternoon, they had this beautiful cars, pictures of it. You can see them on the web now. But he was, uh, had a platform on top, a couple of loudspeakers, a microphone, parked in front of a grocery store. And he was singing his gold chain troubadour. He'd be singing. They'd passing out free biscuits, you know, sample biscuits made with gold chain flour. So wow. go to the store and buy some gold chain flour. And I wanted a guitar. And subsequently, four years later, another story, I, I got my first guitar. Wow. Wow. That is just cool. <laughs> that is. We're going to try to get a picture of, of the picture that you got that was uh, posted on Facebook a few years back of uh, the actual time you actually saw Ernest perform um yeah, I've got on, a, on, on what in the back seat of a, of a car standing up or a back of a that was a car he was standing in he's standing on that platform on top of that gold chain through it or a car yeah okay a platform on top of a car wow parked in front of the grocery store had wow. a microphone too loud a couple loud speakers and he was standing look at it you got it there standing somewhere there it is and it's really cool because i mean again i'm going to want to try to take a picture of this it's a little fuzzy but it's cool to see the cars in the background it's Really neat to see that old PA horn yeah. sitting up on top, you know, like you, we used to watch in the old movies and That's stuff. That's 1940. Yeah. When I, I, turns out I said I was eight years old rather than 10, as my song said, when my life was changed forever by the tub. <laughs> I think that's cool. Again, we're going to try to post that here as well as a bunch of other memorabilia that you brought. But um, let's not get away from the music. Why don't you play us another song there, Jerry, and then we'll keep this whole thing rolling to find out more about you. What, what okay. song would you like to play next? Well, I, I got a couple of songs I'm going to do for you. That They say that one of the, the first big lessons about songwriting is, is write about what you know. And, of course, most people... No, I guess they do. Like we do, you might know more about your family than you do a lot of other things because you spend a lot of time with them. Right. And uh, I spent a long time with mine because I'm the youngest of 11 kids. Ooh, and wow. I'm, and this song, the first thing you song about the oldest one happened to be my sister, Nyla Joe. Nyla, N-I-L-A, Nyla Joe. Okay. And this song was written from her 1929 diary. Wow. The year she graduated from high school. Okay. 1929. Okay. We, My dad was one. <laughs> she would be 111 if she were alive. That wasn't now. even a thought. Can you turn down to my monitor guitar and my monitors for me? It's a little booming on me. Here. Yeah, that's a lot better. So I have to do All that. Alrighty. My old finger's not working too good tonight. It's the weather. Sitting on the porch with Mr. Green from two doors down. Talking about how hard things are getting in our town. And he said, I've got a diary from my sister, Nyla Joe. Of tough times, young folks today ain't never known. Like moving from town to town, cause work's hard to find. Picking cotton with blistered hands, just trying to survive. Nyla Joe, Nyla Joe, back in 1929, growing up in Oklahoma in the Great Depression time. 
oldest of eleven, she carried a heavy load, written on those pages years ago by Nyla Joe. Her senior year in high school, her heart was filled with dreams, but she had to help it on. Knew she couldn't leave, had no TV, no lights, no bathroom indoors, got heat from a wood stove, did laundry on a washboard. Most of their clothes were homemade from feed and flower sacks. She sewed her own prom dress, light lavender, white sash. Nyla Joe, Nyla Joe, back in 1929, growing up in Oklahoma in the Great Depression time. Oldest of 11, she carried a heavy load. Written on those pages years ago by Nyla Joe. When I flip a switch and lights go on, it always takes me back. I think about that young girl riding by kerosene lamp in a small two-room shack. Nyla Joe, Nyla Joe, back in 1929, growing up in Oklahoma in the Great Depression time. Oldest of eleven, she carried a heavy load Written on those pages years ago by Nyla Joe Nyla Joe, Nyla Joe Oh, Nyla Joe, Nyla Joe 1929, Nyla Joe, Nyla Joe The Great Depression time, Nyla Joe Nyla Joe, my big sis. Nice. That is way cool. I think it's really neat that you don't have to look at any lyrics. You don't have to pull up. And nowadays, everyone's got to have a music stand in front of them or their, their cheat sheet with a cell phone in front of them oh, where they yeah. have to read. And you just play. Just It's it's in your heart. It's in your mind. It, it's, well, it's in my it's your memory. background it's, it's, too, you know. I, yep. I have five degrees from University of Texas in radio or TV, and I did everything in radio and TV, both. You know, DJ and then news, everything from a staff announcer to sports director to, to news anchor and all that in television back in Texas before I ever came to Nashville, and the disc jockeying before and after that too, country music. Wow. Who were you spinning when you were just starting out as a disc jockey? What was the big record? Do you remember? Well, a couple of them, yeah. I first worked as a DJ in 1956, got out of the Army, and uh, in 55, got my first job at KFPW in Fort Smith, Arkansas, where I'd been in the Army at Camp Chaffee. And uh, 55 was the year that Johnny Cash came out with his first records. Wow. Yes. Uh, and... Uh, I got to visit the Hayride one time during that last year in the Army. I didn't perform. I didn't have a schedule thing, but I got away to slip down there one time to visit back the only time I got to while I was in the Army. And I think that was the night that, that, that back at the back stairs when Johnny walked in the first time I'd ever seen him. He came up the, I remember seeing him come up the, the back stairs into the backstage and was like it was like a, a, a fire escape, you know, a, oh, yeah. a stereotype thing because mm -hmm. it was the back of the building. That's the first time I saw him, and you know, that was one of the big stuff that year. And of course, the uh, Elvis was getting going, 
And at 55 and 56, I went back to Austin and started disc jockeying there part-time, working my way through college to finish up. And uh, ooh, I remember in 57, I took a music, had to take a, had to take a music appreciation course. And I remember a couple of songs. One of them was Marvin Rainwater's Gonna Find Me a Bluebird. It was beautiful, loved it. And then the biggest song that was the biggest song for dancing for the next 30 years, too, was Bobby Helms' Fraulein, perfect two-step dance song, biggest monster. And, I, and my music appreciation course was in the fine arts music department, of course. And uh, the lady that was, I won't call her name now, but I never forgot it, obviously. She didn't think much of, of, of my Fraulein. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Bobby's from Plainfield, Indiana. Okay. Um, and I had a guitar shop there for several years. Uh-huh. In the shopping center that my guitar shop was in was at the far, if you're walking up to it, it'd be at the far left-hand side. Yeah. At the far right-hand side was Bobby Helms' first uh, special angel yeah. bar was there. Yeah. Um, and then I never got to meet Bobby or see Bobby, but I played, I probably played with five of his guitar players. Everyone around there played with Bobby Helms. Yeah. And then uh, I heard some cool stories. I got to play with his son, Robbie Helms, uh-huh. but I never got to play with Bobby. Bobby's gone uh, before I knew. I got to meet him one time in Nashville. Didn't get, you know, it was just a meet and greet type thing. I didn't get, get acquainted with him, but I did get to see him and see him perform one time there while I was in Nashville between sometime between 66 and 69. I don't remember okay. exactly when. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to get to play with. Around Indiana, you wouldn't think there was a lot of country people, but I got to meet several of Bobby Helms' guitar players. You know, because when Bobby would come back home, he, his buddies and stuff would sit in and play with him and, and do his shows at his bar. And then he went and, and got the Special Angel 2, had the Special Angel 2 bar for a little while. Um, well, speaking of Indiana, Indiana and not being much country, I can tell you there, from, from personal, not first-hand knowledge from one of the residents from there, that there's a lot of country, at least in southern Indiana, because when I was on the Opry, Roy Acuff's girl singer, they called him back then, was she, we all thought she was from Georgia because she had such a drawl. Yeah. But when I asked her, that was June Stearns, and when I asked her, she said, no, I'm from Indiana. She said, there's a whole pocket of us up there in southern Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> wow. it, it's funny you said that because I'm from Wisconsin originally. So I'm that no-accent guy, even though people say, no, you've got an accent. I'm, I'm that Midwestern lack of accent my mom is from down here grundy county tennessee mountain girl so i'm used to that southern drawl language i've got cousins that you most people can't understand them you know that dolly parton would go what what'd you say (laughs) um I, i got cousins like that so when i moved from wisconsin to indianapolis I ran into what you're talking there, there, Jerry, where people just talk like they're from the Appalachian Mountains. I'm going, what part of the South are you from? Oh, I'm from Whiteland. Whiteland, Indiana? Yeah. I said, are are you from there originally? Did you move there? No, my whole family's from there. That's five miles south of Indianapolis. What do you... Why do you talk like that? I don't... So you find that a lot in Indiana. So it's funny you said that. Yeah. Um, your little bio sheet here was talking about you got your uh, your third guitar at the age of 18 in 1950. You traded a Martin to get your flat top Epiphone. Yeah. 
Um, it was bigger. I was, I was my first one was a twenty-five dollar harmony in nineteen forty-four that a brother bought for me when he was home on leave from the war. That traveled on a battleship, I think you said. Oh, he was on the USS Colorado. It was on put Colorado. on it. He joined the Navy right after Pearl Harbor, first of January, <laughs> and within a month. Back then, they didn't have time. The war just started. And they didn't have time for boot camp. He's telling me about it. They just gathered him up at the Naval Air Station there in Chicago. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they get enough Great of them, lakes. when they get enough of them, they'd ship them out to wherever they's going to assign them. And it was on the job training. Wow. And uh, he was shipped. He was, he was in February of, of uh, '42. He was put on the USS Colorado. He was on it all the way to the war's end. And they were parked next to the Missouri at the at the signature at the end of the war. Wow. Wow. Um, before we get on to my question, because I was talking about 1950, you got your guitar, but. Um, we got on about your brother being in the military. You said you were in the military. Um, I had four brothers in it during World War II, plus a brother-in-law. Okay. Now, Dell was the one 10 years older than me that bought me my first harmony guitar. He was the one on the battleship. The other two others uh, were in the Navy, and they both became electronics instructors because they already had the knowledge and experience in that. And the fourth one was in the Army Signal Corps, I believe it was. And then a brother-in-law was a sergeant in the infantry, and he was killed in the Philippines. Oh, wow. wow. Now, what about yourself? I got drafted right at the end of the Korean War. At the Korean War, And okay. uh, it's another long story, but like I said, Tubbs has been involved in my family. And uh, Tubbs, Ernest, and his son, Justin, and then Ernest's nephews, uh, Lynn Douglas Tubbs, he's known as today, and his brother, Billy. Who changed his name to X Lincoln? <laughs> too many tubs around, but and Glenn changed reverse some of his first and second names to keep him having too many tubs when he was making records. He's a big hit songwriter, and <laughs> they've all they're all gone now. Glenn was the last one we were buddies. We were all friends since we met in Austin at the radio station in 1952, and uh, I got drafted. They, I was there that one year, and, and and they were there one year, and they came back to Nashville, and Ernest got both Justin and and Glenn on Decca Records, and. And that's when Glenn changed. He didn't want to be another Tubbs, so he didn't use Tubb for a last name. He just, his, his real name was Douglas Lynn Tubb. We knew him as Doug back then. Right. And he didn't want to use Tubbs. He said it'd be too many Tubbs, so he just took his first and second names. Well, you know, Douglas Lynn doesn't seem like a, a first and second name, but you turn around, Lynn Douglas does. So yeah. he became, he recorded as Lynn Douglas. And then a few years after he got through being recording, just in a songwriting, it wasn't competition, you know, on for a star type thing. Well, it, he, uh, he kept using that, but he added Tub back on it. He was already known as Glenn Douglas then, so he became Glenn Douglas Tub instead of his real name, Douglas Glenn Tub. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, that's a, and that's the way he was, he was known. He was, a, he, he was uh, wrote Johnny King's writer on Johnny Cash's Home of the Blues in 1957-58. He uh, was a co-writer that found the, found the guy and the doctor. He was the song doctor. Well, I, he's such a super song doctor. You may remember Skip Rope in 1967 yep. or 8. Been recorded, and, re-recorded a hundred times. Yeah, and Marty Stewart just recorded it recently. And uh, and then he also wrote uh, George and Tammy's big hit, Two Story House. And we were friendly. We were all, and Justin, Ernest's son, Justin, was, uh, you know, on Decker Records for a long time. He was a great songwriter, too. And uh, we were all buddies. And when... And, Lifetime buddies, as it turned out, I outlived all of them. But uh, yeah, uh, Ernest had just more to, made a tour of Korea. Actually, the Korean War ended the very day that my boot camp started. But uh, of course, they were still rotating troops out, you know, to get the ones that had been over there. And of course, I had 16 weeks to go then. I had eight weeks boot camp, and eight weeks of artillery training. 
And it's another longer story, but how it happened all came about, which scared me to death. And I got first called to go up to, to see a report to a major immediately. But it ended up that Ernest had written a letter to the director of special services, which is entertainment in Washington, about me. A little simple thing to remind him that he, he knew the Army needed entertainment because he just made that tour for him. <laughs> and, and then he understood a young friend of his was down in Camp Chaffee and in boot, uh, boot camp, basic training, thought they might look at, see if they might. And so they didn't, they didn't tell me anything after that except get my guitar up there, and I had to sing at a party for the commanding general the next week. And, and then I, uh, it made a difference in my life even during basic, though, because from then on, uh, two things. Every Saturday morning, we had to get down on our hands and knees with a what was called a GI brush, a real stiff oh, yeah. brush. You may know some of y'all may know what it is, and a bucket of soapy water and scrub the wood floors of our of our barracks, you know. And we all had to go to KP once a week. Well, on the so on the Saturday things, after I got my guitar up there, well, then the rest of the guys didn't want me to. Did now they wanted to sit on the top bunk and sing to them while they did it. And when I went to KP after that, instead of peeling potatoes, I they wanted me to sing on, sit on one of the tables and sing to them while they did. So that's the big difference it made in my life initially. But after all that training, I got assigned to special services and spent my two whole two years there at Camp Chaffee, as a matter of fact. And then from that, I mentioned I got my first radio job there, and that was because uh, Fort Smith at the time may still have. They've had a big annual rodeo in the spring of every year. Mm -hmm. And the Chamber of Commerce would uh, take a couple of flatbed trucks and a, a whole caravan of, of members and travel to every little town within about 50 miles all the way around. I think it was a two or, two or three-day tour and putting on shows promoting rodeo. And the Army sent me with them to represent the Army. Oh, and when, cool. when I got through there, as I got out of the Army, they wanted to keep me there in Fort Smith, so they got me my first radio job with no experience. Wow. And then I got that, that experience I got there, a short time I worked for them. When I went back to Austin the next year, I was able to get a job when I couldn't without any experience at all. So that's where it all started for my radio and TV career. That's pretty cool. Well, nice. first of all, thank you for your family and your service. Yes. Um, I appreciate it. My dad was in the Korean War. He was in the middle of it uh, during, during the heart of it. Um, so thank you for your service and all your family members uh, that has been through there. Um, we were talking about 1950, you got your third guitar. But that's your first year that you were on the Louisiana Hayride. How did you get that gig? What, what strings were pulled to get you on the Louisiana Hayride? Uh, actually, a, a song I wrote, top, uh, patterned after one of, Webb Pierce had become a star of the year before in 1951 with Wandering. Okay. And had several follow-up records. One of them was a song called, uh, I remember, I forgot how they titled it now, but Don't Do It, Don't, don't Do It, Darling, That Heart Belongs to Me, uh, which Webb was credited with, but Claude King actually wrote a, I learned later. <laughs> <laughs> I got another first lesson in music a little later about that, about the business of music a little later too. But I had patterned, I loved that, that song. And uh, I wrote a song patterned after. In the next year, in 52, I had to have a summer job. I was living at home, hitchhiking to, to uh, college up at North Texas, sold an old car I had for $50 to pay my first tuition that summer to get in. And, and within summer of 52, I had to get a, worker I wouldn't even go to college anymore and I couldn't make enough money so I, I found a job out of a little ad in the Dallas News it took me to Austin headquartered in Austin traveling all over central from just below uh, Waco all the way down to Laredo and out to Del Rio and Eagle Pass and almost to Houston and traveling for Procter & Gamble setting up cardboard displays and drug stores and grocery stores of their earth-shaking new green chlorophyll toothpaste anybody remember that 
<laughs> anyway, I discovered the Louisiana Hayride Stars were all playing in that same area that I was working. And so I was able, I was working by myself, and, and they gave me the uh, book of, of places I needed to go, but I could route myself. And I, so I did, and it wasn't a month till I saw Webb Pierce was playing. I think it was in Gonzales, Texas, a little patio, honky tonk, you know, it had a little village club with a concrete patio and some lights out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were playing, so I went there. I got there after they started, and just, uh, I never had the, the nerve to initiate conversations and things, kind of fierce rejection from childhood, I guess. So I would just kind of watch, and then when they took a break, of course, the people all flocked around Webb, and the bass player was standing there, and he looked, was laughing, talking to him, he looked like a friendly guy, and I went up to him and told him that I had a, I told him my name, told him I had a, written a song patterned after one of Webb's, and, and uh, I don't remember exactly the conversation, but how I don't like Webb do it, and it, that turned about, that bass player turned out to be Tillman Franks, the star maker at the Hayride. And almost, and I, he had me go sing the song for him. And, uh, and then almost immediately he started getting me booked on Louisiana Hayride. In fact, I have a, an ad uh, from August of that year, August toward the end of the month, I think it was, where they billed me right under Hank Lachlan wow. <laughs> on their ad wow. for that <laughs> and some others later. But then they started booking it for me regularly. Speaking of the Hayride, if you don't mind, I'd like to mention what I brought for you to see. A lot of people yes. don't know about. I knew about it because I happened to be a part of it, uh, and, and dear friends happened to be a part of even the production of it. But uh, a couple of years ago, I don't people don't know if they don't know about the Bear family box sets. Bear Family Records is an outfit in Germany, and they produce fancy, expensive box sets about practically any star in any genre or anything. And what they do, they go back and, and lease the original recordings. They search every recording that artist has made and, and, and make deals to get, you know, but to use them. And they make these right. box sets of all of them. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, they put together, there he is, he's handing it to Steve to look at now. And uh, it's a box set. This one's about, what, two and a half inches thick, and it's, it's LP box size. And it, what it includes, this one is called At the Louisiana Hayride Tonight. It's a Bear Family box set that includes a 224-page uh, coffee table-type book on the history mm-hmm. of the Louisiana Hayride. And it includes uh, a lot of pictures and stories uh, about it. And it includes... Uh, 20, the, 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 in addition to the book, it's in the book, is the listings of it, it includes 20 CDs of live recordings Ooh. from Louisiana wow. Hayride. And wow. I happen to be on one of them. I have one live recording on there that's on there. And it was this, and I remember the night so well and the date because it was the night that Hank Williams came back to the Louisiana Hayride after he'd been fired from the Opry to make his deal to join. He wasn't scheduled to sing that night. But I remember it happened to be backstage when he and his little family entourage came in. And, uh, and my, I sang two songs that night, one early and one late, like we all were, at least that much we did, sometimes two at a time. And my last song of the night happened to be the last song of the night, except that right after that, they announced, well, it was the last song of the night. But, but they had got Hank to come out, acknowledge that he was there, and got him to come out and he agreed to do one song. He sang Jambalaya. But then it, it didn't say anything. It just said he was visiting, you know. And then after my – and this is a live recording that's on there. In fact, I have that live recording on, on one of my CDs. Uh, 
that live recordings is on there. And so I shared the stage with Hank Williams that night on the Louisiana wow. Hayride. Wow. And, uh, and it's all in this book, the Bear Family Box, Box Records, which was nominated for a Grammy two years ago for Best Historical Album. And they had a big celebration. I brought you the poster from it. I was part of it. Uh, celebration. Yeah, we're going to get pictures of all this, too. Yes. Gram Grammy nomination party we had at the renovated, like brand new again, Freeport Municipal Auditorium where it was held when I was on it back then. And I was, uh, there's only uh, very few living people that ever sang on it still alive. And one of them is Frankie Miller, who uh, was on it after I was gone to the Army and everything. But he was part of the book. And he's still alive and picking, too. Wow. Anyway, I could talk all day about all this stuff. But anyway, I do want to let you know about the Louisiana Hayride and that box set. It is an incredible, wonderful thing to be a part of. This is what we're saying, Jerry. There's just way too much stuff that I want to hear about because just, just the Louisiana Hayride section of your life itself, I want to know more. I want to, I, I, there's so many cool stuff about that. Uh, well, you mentioned my guitars. You know, I, the first one was that little harmony, mm -hmm. which I, as I got to be a teenager then and started singing, I wanted a little bigger guitar. And that was an F-hole shape, okay. and, you know, rather than a flat top for people to know about that. And, I, and I, as I started singing, I wanted a flat top. And so I traded that for the little Martin. I got the small one. Oh, I could have I managed to get it all, but I had I couldn't afford to have, keep one. I had to trade one in order to get the next one. <laughs> and so I kept the Martin for a while in high school, and then... Uh, I guess it was a year, maybe before I got out of high school, I sang in a, in a talent contest on the Big D Jamboree the year before my senior year of high school. I won that and then lost in the playoff to uh, another guy named Jimmy Fothery. I won singing. I, I, I was better at ballads, and I was singing. The big song then was I Love You Because. And uh, I won with that, and then I had to, to go against the playoff with Jimmy Fothery, who uh, was also a guitar picker as well as a singer. And he did, my bucket's got a hole in it, and he took off on a wild solo and blew me away. <laughs> and both of us later ended up on the Hayride and the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> well, time's going to get away from us. Why don't we go ahead and play another song, Jerry, if you don't mind? Okay. I said I got songs about family. I'm going to sing another family song. Right? That works. I mentioned I'm the youngest of 11 kids. I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on, after we got on the air or not, but I had there were seven boys and four girls. Wow. Uh, all uh, 10 of the 11 lived to be adults. The girl, five years older than me, died as a child, childhood disease, diphtheria or something back then. But one of the brothers, well, two of them now, have lived to be 99. The first one that lived to be 99 inspired this song. Oh, by the way, we wrote this rather than perspective, uh, a retrospective of his life. We wrote it. I had a co-writer help me write it, Jan Buckingham, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah, we love yeah. Jan. Yes. And uh, she helped me write the, this, turn this story into a good song. And uh, we decided to write it from the viewpoint of a young artist, hoping some young artist uh, would record it and make us all some money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good story, though. You look so good in that summer dress. Want to hold you all night long. A night like this is as good as it gets We'll dance till the band goes home While we're young and all wrapped up In the music and atmosphere We'll have lots of fun And make enough love To last us a hundred years 
And we'll be dancing at 99 Still having the time of our lives Your hair can turn gray Mine fall away But as long as you are mine We'll be dancing at 99 As the days of our lives slowly slip away We'll still be in love with each other I love you more than I do today When you're a great grandmother My voice may get thin and I may move slow But when I look at you I'll put pain patches on and be ready to go When you put on your dancing shoes And we'll be dancing at 99 Like we did at 25 your hair can turn gray, mine fall away, but as long as you are mine, we'll be dancing at 99. Folks today are living much longer than Grandma and Grandpa did, but I can still see them dancing together just like a couple of kids. We'll be dancing at 99, swaying in three-quarter time. Your hair can turn gray, mine fall away, but as long as you are mine, we'll be dancing at 99. Yeah, your hair can turn gray, and mine's gonna fall away, but as long as you are mine, We'll be dancing at 99. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. <clears throat> Very nice. Um, we're going to run out of time here. Do you have social media or do you have a website or anything that people can find out where you're playing or how to get any merchandise or, or your CDs? You brought like three CDs here today. Uh, I, I do have a website. It's my name, jerrykgreen.com. Okay. Uh, you can't buy, you know, you can get some of my music on it. I have music on SoundCloud, uh, and SoundCloud, soundcloud.com is a platform I have music on there. And each one of the songs that are on there have a buy link to CD Baby, where they're also for sale. But okay. CD Baby has all of these, and, and some of them are out on the streaming things, but I'm so busy with other things that I, I never get a chance to see, to get them, be sure they're all there and do work it really I need to, because I'm, I'm an old widower, and I don't have uh, any help doing all this stuff, so that I try to do everything. I did not build my own website, but I have a beautiful website, and it's got some of the pictures and history and and things on it and then I'm, I have a Facebook page but like the other I don't it's got some information about me on it and things but I don't have time to and I do not communicate by Facebook Messenger I don't have time <laughs> that's a good thing you're busy <laughs> I'm not making any money but I'm busy <laughs> <laughs> that's all right it sounds like us it sounds like Brian and I <laughs> there you go I'm loving it. I'm having <laughs> a great Colorado time kid. I'm having a great time well that's excellent um, for the so love of the we, music yeah it's for the music um, and, and again we're saddened because of the rain. You know, yes. the Bonnaroo's went away. We're looking for a great, you know, four days worth of, of live music again. But um, apparently we had, you know, a monsoon blow in from, uh, what was it, Hurricane what, Ida? I, I, Ida. I, Ida, yeah. Yeah, so. 
That was rough, I, and I need, and I don't know if our good friends down there in Gillsburg, Mississippi, are listening, Dwayne Easley and, and, and Jamie Wall and, and all those guys down there. Um, please be safe. I saw that yes. the hurricane was coming right up through the middle where you guys were at coming up here. So um, <clears throat> I've been saying I'm going to Facebook and make sure they're okay, and right. I just haven't done it yet. So if you're listening, I hope you guys are doing well. You're in our prayers. So be safe. <coughs> Um, so what's next for you from here? Are you playing in Nashville? Is Nashville trying to shut down again or? Well, the main thing, I'm so busy. I don't try to do very much, but I I love to sing at the Commodore Grill and I sing there when I remember to, when when I'm there in town, which is most of the time. I did spend five months in Austin this year with my daughter, but I'm normally there and sing there a couple of times a month when I'm when I'm home. Okay, nice. Yeah, and I believe that's where Brian first discovered you was uh, at the Commodore Grill with Debbie Champion. Yeah, we've been, I've never seen him. He's been there. I didn't know what they were doing, you know. But see the Sunday night. It's been several years now that I I had put music away for thirty years and so I could keep a roof over my head and a spouse in the house so to speak yeah <laughs> and i retired from if i retired from my last day job in nashville so i was there and said well we'll see what's happening now and i of course it was this was just 10 11 years ago and i discovered that all that writer's night stuff and that's it was very interesting for me to do i love the, the commodore grill and debbie champion yeah, great and the weekend, place. And the great weekend people. people, they all have Debbie books four nights a week, and somebody else books Fridays and Saturdays, and and they all put together great shows down there. And some of them, in addition, you know, we all do them on Sunday nights. Is it every Sunday night you're there, or is it just four? we're there? Well, Brian is there most yeah. Sundays. Anyway, yeah. um, there's once in a while things happen that yeah. you know scheduling. Um, we're only three people strong in this company. Aha. Uh-huh. So, and this year. A lot of stuff has not doubled up, but tripled up and quadrupled up on top of itself. So we were trying, like, this weekend figuring out how we're going to cover some stuff uh, yeah. because of, you know, the Bonnaroo and Musicians Corner and uh, some of the other places like that. So um, we try to we try to get as much as we can. But Brian has been doing the, the whole thing at the Commodore Grill for, God, I, I don't know, Brian, um, eight years probably. Brian's been up to Commodore Grill, and I bet he's been there at least 75% of the time. Wow. <clears throat> I mean, there's a few things here and there, but I bet at least 75% yeah. of the time Brian's yeah. there. So uh, it's pretty cool. When we brought up your name that you are coming, Brian goes, oh, yeah, great. You know, so he's known you for a <laughs> while. So a lot of good people up there in that neck of the woods. If you haven't been to the Commodore Grill, it's there on the west end of Nashville. Um, Holiday Inn, Commodore Grill Lounge, you know, good food, great people. Uh, they got a great stage set up there where they usually do four, sometimes five uh, musicians get over. Usually it's three to four. Uh, they do ride arounds there. And the beautiful part about it is, is from people that's coming up from out of town that's never been there, they have no idea who's on stage. And these guys will start singing songs. They're going like, well, I know that song. Well, that's, that's the guy who wrote it. <laughs> sometimes there will be three or four. Yeah, and, so you may hear three or four five hit songs yeah yeah by the and, guys and, that wrote them yeah and the people that's in the crowd that don't get up on stage that aren't playing that night oh yeah that if you're in the music business you go man there's there's <laughs> jerry you know there's you know and you start naming off all these people and you're going this guy's got cuts um 
for Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, Jerry Foster, for Jerry instance. Foster, yeah. Um, Jerry's sitting there, and every time I see him, he gets up there, and he's got a smile on his face, comes over, shakes my hand. How you doing, young man? You know, I'm in my 60s, and I'm the young man. And he That's shakes right. my hand and said, you know, Jerry, you keep it up, man. We're going to make you famous. But Jerry's not days. as old as I am. Yeah. <laughs> Just great talent. But uh, Brian's got Flash on here. we got time for one more song. Okay. <coughs> I want to sing you the song that got me those 40 performances on the Grand Ole Opry. Excellent. Oh, I have wow. updated it because the, the original record uh, didn't have the whole story. Kind of like Paul Harvey, I have added the rest of the story. The rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> My little dog has only three legs But he never whimpers and he never begs He doesn't know he's disabled, you see From his point of view, he's got more legs than me You ought to see that dog when he runs He looks like a bullet just fired from a gun Three little feet go spinning like wheels Wherever I go, he is right at my heels. And if you think you've got troubles you can't overcome, don't sit like a bump on a log. You could do twice as much if you tried half as hard as tripod with three-legged dog. Out in the yard, there stands an old tree. It grows at a slant of some 60 degrees. Tripod backs up and builds up his speed, then climbs up the trunk like a coon that's been treed. He jumps to the ground and circles the yard, pacing the fence like a soldier on guard. When he sees the postman walk up with the mail, he growls like a tiger but waggles his tail. If you think you've got troubles you can't overcome, don't sit like a bump on a log. You could do twice as much if you tried half as hard as tripod to three-legged dog. He lost a leg when hit by a car, losing the battle but winning the war. He's a survivor. And he loves to sing. His favorite song is Good Night Irene. If you think you've got troubles you can't overcome, don't sit like a bump on a log. You could do twice as much if you tried half as hard as tripod to three-legged dog. You could do twice as much if you tried half as hard as tripod to three-legged dog. Yeah, you could. Thank you. Very, very nice. I heard you sing that at the Commodore Grill a few years back. Uh, so when you started singing, I was like, oh, yeah, we ran into each other way in the back, but... Um, it was probably a busy night. It was probably one of those ordeals where there were a bunch of people there. So I don't think I had a chance to meet you then. But no, uh, I remember that song, Clear as a Bell, when you, when you sang it. So uh, I've had uh, there at the Commodore and other places in recent years when I started singing again after 30 years away when I sang that. And places like that, you know, I've had people 
come up to me from the audience and tell me their 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 daddy or their mother sang that song when they were little. And oh, I didn't wow. know I didn't know it got that well exposed, but apparently it did. That's way cool. That is way cool. So I hate to do this, but we're going to have to call it a night already. Um, just way too much information we're leaving on the table. And again, yes. we, we've got Jerry K. Green here tonight who's got history upon history. And he's brought a bunch of it here. Uh, we're going to take pictures of it and put it on our, our website. Uh, again, you can check the stuff out on uh, um, midnightmatters.show is uh, the site you can check that out on. But uh, I want you guys to be able to see this, and I want you guys to get out and be able to support uh, Jerry and the venues that he's, he's playing at, especially the Commodore Grill. But um, this gentleman shared the stage with major stars. Yep. Or should I say they shared the stage with him? Um <laughs> It's way cool. A lot of history there. So uh, we're just honored that you come all the way down from Nashville on a rainy, severely rainy day yes. uh, to spend a, an hour with us. And, and we greatly appreciate that. So, um, but you and I are going to have to make time where I come in your neck of the woods somewhere. We can meet anywhere you want to. Um, and we'll, uh, we just really want to finish talking about a lot of good stuff. I would enjoy that. You, you're, you're the equivalent to Johnny Moore to me, who's been there, done that, and we just barely scratched the surface. So yeah, we yeah. got to catch up. I, I love history, and I want to catch up with you. So um, we were chatting tonight with, with Jerry K. Green, uh, legend extraordinaire. So we are so yes. tickled to death. We'll, we'll catch you guys uh, real soon. But I want to say uh, good night to our affiliates all over the world. Thank you guys for sharing our, our information. I hope you found tonight's show entertaining uh i hope it's kind of like the movie trailer got you hooked you want to hear the rest of it so um <laughs> I, I hope that's what's going to happen here because this right. is really cool stuff and uh we'll we'll keep you guys posted when that's going to happen so we got to find out jerry's schedule and ours so um with that i want to thank our producer brian who's the one that got jerry um first of all uh, brought to us and yeah. I want to thank our good friend pez who's the one that actually kind of got the booking started so yeah. thank you pez thank you pez yeah, he's a good old boy up there. So we'll uh, let you guys uh, get back at it. Thank you guys for uh, for checking it out. For the Colorado Kid, for Brian, the IT guru, I am Mark, your DJ doctor. On a rainy, soaked Tuesday afternoon in Manchester, Tennessee, we brought you another Midnight Matter show with Jerry K. Green. We enjoyed it. Y'all have a safe day, and we'll talk to you soon. Y'all have a good night.